Yeah, so I like to think everything I work on is significant. <laughs> Sometimes it's not. Um, so we have been working to kind of redesign um, the way senior living is done, basically, in the, in the country. Welcome to Sinji Talks the show that brings great ideas and the people that have them together. Joining me now is Eric Dowdy, Chief Government Affairs Officer for Leading Age California. Eric, thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. So let's kind of start with just like a broad perspective. Um, what is Leading Age California? So we are a statewide trade association that represents the continuum of care of services for seniors. So a lot of our members are facility-based organizations, uh, nursing homes, assisted living providers, affordable senior housing, and then community-based services. So we kind of cover the gamut on services to older adults. Now, I, I was looking on your website and I saw this, um, this one section, like the branding I thought was just really just, uh, frankly, it's just, it's just really cool, the concept. And it said, Age on, rage on. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, age on, rage on is our, uh, it's a public relations campaign really aimed at empowering seniors to kind of take control of their own destiny, really. Um, looking at, you know, public policy issues, things that are happening both uh, statewide and nationally, and ways that we can engage them in the legislative process to take action you know, around things around long-term services and supports financing, um, we found that there's not a really good safety net for seniors who are middle income. Um, so the campaign's really about kind of finding solutions for that middle income group um, and kind of activating them to get involved in the process to make that change happen for themselves. Wow. So, so you know, you've obviously been part of, of the organization for a very long time. Your current role is Chief Government Affairs Officer. So what, is, what does that look like? What is a, a day in the life, you know, of, of your job? What does it look like? Well, uh, there's pre-COVID and post-COVID, <laughs> I'll tell you. Um, before all the, the pandemic hit, um, it were, um, we're based in Sacramento, so it's the state capital of California, and we spend a lot of time talking to legislators, regulators, um, trying to, you know, advance our perspectives on the way our, our basically the way our facilities should be operated and run. Um, and then also the way we're are serving uh, seniors in general. There's a lot of cross-cutting uh, policy initiatives that are being discussed right now, particularly in California. We've got a, a thing called the Master Plan for Aging um, that is really going to be the roadmap of how we serve the older population for the next 20 years. So we've been really involved in that. So it's a lot of stakeholder discussion, a lot of engagement with policymakers, um, and, you know, just troubleshooting for our members, too, if they come up with problems or issues related to anything government related, whether it's a reimbursement question, um, it's how do we access financing for building affordable senior housing, you know, we, we kind of run the gamut on that kind of thing. Wow. Wow, that sounds like it's a, <laughs> really a lot of different uh, moving parts in terms of uh, which, which organization does. So looking at the, let's go at, at a macro perspective. Uh, what do you think the the the, the long-term uh, impact will be in terms of, um, you know, the senior care industry, you know, because of how people have had to adjust with the with the pandemic? 
Yeah, so we're talking a lot about that. Um, in fact, our, our board is meeting on that um, in a few weeks, and then we're, you know, it's, there's going to be a lasting mark, and that's for sure. You know, a lot of the things that we used to do in person, we're not going to be able to. Um, we're talking about meetings, whether we go forward virtually, um, having the discussions that we used to have in person. You know, we have a lot of committees that meet quarterly. Um, we've got our board that meets in person. We're doing that all on online platforms. So whether we're using a video conferencing tool or Synergy or something along those lines, um, it, the technology has become much more important into future planning. So um, for the, from the association's perspective, we're going to be using a lot of, um, you know, online tools. And then our members, you know, I mean, they're nursing homes, they're retirement communities. They're not used to having to do all this technology. They're even incorporating a lot of that into their businesses because they have to um, be able to have their residents interact with each other. That's one of the reasons why you choose a retirement community because you're among your peers. Um, so we've seen them pick up a lot of um, technology tools just to interact you know, within a single campus. Hopefully that's gonna change and they're gonna be able to interact more with each other. But um, it was interesting to see how everyone just kind of immediately picked up uh, the, the online technology and started working with it, so. Ooh, that's excellent too. So, um, so in terms of kind of staying with the same vein of, of the pandemic, uh, are there any important things that you wish people knew or understood when it term, in terms of, uh, you know, with the seniors in dealing with the pandemic? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I would just caution people on the, um, it's a horrible disease. It's really virulent and it's, um, you know, people do recover. So it's not, I mean, we have residents in their 90s, 100s that have recovered from the virus. So it's not by any means a death sentence. Um, but I think, you know, the, what you hear in the media, it might be a little overblown, but it's, you know, something you definitely need to take seriously. <laughs> um, but, you know, it is a recoverable disease and it is something that, um, you know, everything that the CDC is putting out as far as wearing face coverings. And I mean, you're really protecting the, the seniors among us the most, since that's really been hitting seniors most, um, most hard during the, the pandemic. So wearing a face mask, it um, protects you, but it also protects, you know, your 80, 90 year old grandmother. So please do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's that's one of the big things because, you know, especially when we first heard about the, the disease and we were kind of all just kind of discombobulated about what to happen, you had some people you know, looking at different states, people were just out partying or saying, hey, I don't need to wear a mask because, you know, it doesn't affect young people at first. That's what they were saying. Mm -hmm. uh, realizing, hey, it's not it's not about you. It's about taking care of the other people, you know, the, the elderly population or the young kids who, who might have a weaker immune system who can't fight off as well. So that's definitely, I definitely agree with you know, what you're saying. Uh, in that capacity, um, so let, let me let's let's go back a little further and uh, let's let's talk more about you as well. So you've been with the organization for for over over twenty years. Um, so are there any particular projects that you've been involved in that you would consider just really significant, maybe even just on on a personal level? Yeah, so I like to think everything we work on is significant. <laughs> Sometimes it's not. Um, so we have been working to kind of redesign um, the way senior living is done basically in the in the country um, some of that has been around kind of focusing on community-based alternatives um, nursing homes are a vital part of the system but i think there's a big appetite for people to live in the community so a lot of the work we've done um, there's things we call continuing care at home where you have services basically um, 
in the home for as long as you need it, and then you can move into a community if you'd like. Um, and then we're also working on something new. Um, it's actually the state initiated this, and we see a, a really good um, uh, prognosis for it. It's basically called uh, long-term care at home. So it's bringing a lot of the services that you'd have to you'd find in a nursing home that you would access there into the community and into the home as kind of like a home health benefit plus something you know plus hospice plus coordination of care home modifications i mean it could go pretty broad and be you know a total replacement for a lot of the nursing home placements that you might otherwise have to um, to have so a lot that i think those are the the big areas is like kind of seeing the way the, uh, the sector is evolving and then kind of creating, you know, opportunities that really fit with what people want to do and how they want to age. So I think that's the big projects that we're the most supportive of and most appreciative of. Do you find that more people are, are leaning towards or really more interested in um, the, the home care setup opposed to going to a nursing home with the, with the broader community? Yeah, yeah, there's um, some research done. I think AARP did a study early on that really showed there's an overwhelming um, uh, desire to stay in home as long as possible. So you see a lot of um, services kind of like if you're if you're a Medi-Cal, we call Medi-Cal in California, it's the uh, Medicaid program. Um, there are services you can access to get services in the home um, or you can pay for it privately, but that middle income, um, there's not really a whole lot of options. So we've been working on a lot, we call it, it's not a very sexy name, it's long-term services and supports financing, um, but it would provide one of those benefits. So in the benefits being, you know, you could use it at home if you want to, if that's where you want, or if you're in a retirement community that you love, that's your home, and you can access those benefits there. But it's really meant to kind of help the middle market. Wow. Um, now, I know specifically that with your role, um, it requires the execution of strategic plans, including you know, those multi-million dollar grants. Uh, you guys are also using this, the Synergy tools. So which Synergy tools um, is your organization using? So yeah, we're using the online community. Um, we had been working with a competitor, I guess, um, prior to this, and we, we transitioned over to Synergy after a brief ex, uh, experiment with Google Groups <laughs> that did not go very well. Um, but we found um, that Synergy is really, um, it hits the mark on, it doesn't you know, offer crazy expansive options that are completely useless to a lot of our members. Um, we just wanted a tool that could basically allow our members to talk to each other, us to push out information in real time. Um, and we really love the online tool for that because it allows that engagement with each other, which as an association is really important, um, especially our nonprofit community, because um, all of our members are nonprofit. They have that very collaborative spirit. So they're always wanting to talk to each other and about, you know, whatever they're experiencing, sharing best practices. So this is, it's, um, hits the perfect mark between kind of allowing that collaborative without too much that kind of get in the way of, you know, people kind of looking at the interface and going, what do I do with this? It's, it's very clean and slick. So that's why we're, we're on the online forum. Excellent. So I, I know sometimes, you know, with, with, you know, with the, with um, the senior population using new technologies or receiving information, different types of software and apps um, can be, can be challenging. Um, have you have you had to deal with that in terms of using the Synergy and then with the way your organization is, is using it? Has that been any type of issue? 
Yeah, actually, the um, the use of it's not been an issue really at all. I mean, it's intuitive enough to know that you know if you're comfortable using email, like if you just hit reply to a message, it's going to populate where it needs to populate. You don't have to log in. And the thing, uh, our members are kind of a password adverse. Um, they hate having to deal with passwords. So if they are able to just click into the forum without having to use that password, which Synji allows you to do, um, it really helps with the online interactions because people don't have to remember you know, 500 or so passwords that they use to access our services. So it's, it's really, that's one of the key features that also drew, drew us to it. It was really interesting. Okay. So what was it like um, in your office before you started using um, the, the online community? Well, we um, basically sending out one-way information. So we're basically blasting out information and hoping that people hear. <laughs> um, just looking at the metrics, seeing if people opened it and really like you kind of guess. Like, um, but I think with Sinji, you're able to get kind of immediate responses. Um, and a lot of our technical support is spawned by that. So if there's somebody who received something, they had a question on it, they can ask right then and there, well, how does this impact something, you know, that's related to it? And then we can uh, reply right there on the spot. And then that information or that piece of information that I'm sure, you know, 20 or 50 other people have that same question, that's all there for them to see. So it's really helpful as far as providing kind of support to the members on uh, any issue that really comes up that's timely. You know, what, what I love about that you mentioned is that there's a, you know, you have the, the, the internal side of things where, you know, you're utilizing the software, people are using it, but also supporting the members as well, which ultimately that's the, the big aspect of it is make sure that the members are receiving, you know, quality, it's totally service. Um, what, has been, what has been some of the, some of the benefits, you know, that the members have received now you've migrated to this, this other platform? Yeah, well, I'll just tell you the most recent um, benefit has been the pandemic response. Um, we used the online community, we call it Leading Age California Connect, um, to basically push out all of the information that was coming from the CDC, our, our uh, Department of Public Health. All of that information was coming through the online forum. Um, and our members, they're still commenting on it today about how vital it was to get that kind of like as it's happening and we were the first on the scene with a lot of the information so they really appreciate it and that's been a number one benefit that they were able to access the um, changing information really rapidly in real time. Wow oh that's excellent. Now you know oftentimes people take for granted uh, the work that other organizations do and just through our conversation so far I mean Leading Age California does just so many different things. So what is something that would go undone if your organization uh, you know, were to close tomorrow? Yeah, well, I think it's uh, a lot of the broad um, kind of, I would like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it the best, but it's more of the big um, hairy problems that face the industry. You know, if you, unless you have someone convening and having addressing those questions, uh, they don't get addressed. So you're not going to have individual nursing homes kind of come up with a solution. Individual retirement communities aren't going to make it happen. But when we come together as a collective and talk about those big financing problems, those big, like how do we access care, quality care, those would not happen. So there would be kind of 
whatever the policy of the state would be basically left kind of unchecked. Um, and there's not that kind of consensus building and um, collaborative policy development that you know you'd like to have to make sure that whatever outcome the government is trying to pursue that it actually fits and works with um, you know whoever is affected in this case the senior population so that's really our our role if we weren't weren't around um, it could be a little bit more haphazard and a little less um, of a good fit I think as to whatever the, the state would be developing yeah, I mean, I think, you know, uh, uh, the word that comes to mind to me really is uh, you're, you're an advocate. You're this is an advocate for the, the senior population. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we, we have a, um, a team of policy experts that talk on all kinds of issues to all kinds of people. So we're always out there pushing the, uh, the um, issues and making sure we're being heard. So we appreciate talking to folks like you about kind of what we're working on. Excellent. Thank you for that. Um, so I know that, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Um, so over the span of your, your career so far, what do you wish you had known when you first started? Oh, wow. Um, well, there's a lot. I think um, talking more directly to policymakers in a meaningful way, um, I think, is... Um, most important because we do have you know um, stakeholder meetings we have a lot of engagement but getting stories from the way the services are impacted to seniors to policymakers that's really critical so I, I kind of always known that and kind of coming through my couple decades here at leading age California that um, that's important but as we kind of get, I mean, we're a big state, California, what, fifth, seventh largest in the uh, world economy, economy size. There's a lot of voices competing for attention in the capital. And the more that we can get the focus stories from kind of how these, how these policies are impacting, the more likely we are to get attention um, in the people talking on, you know, climate change or, you know, you know healthcare quality. And we're trying to get, you know, in that same same um, vein and trying to get the attention of the same people making those policy decisions as our ones that are affecting our, our sector. Well, why, why do you think it's so important to um, to, to, to have the, the, the stories reach the, the policymakers? Well, I think, first of all, policymakers respond better to personal stories, especially if their constituents are, are telling them this is impacting me in this way and I want you to pay attention to that. Um, it just makes for the conversation uh, to be that much more genuine. So, you know, we're leading age California. We're advocates. We, pay, we get paid to, to, you know, talk to policymakers. But when you have the stories behind that, um, it really helps and it really makes, you know, whatever point you're trying to make with whichever policymaker you're talking to, it just kind of brings it home and it really helps with, um, you know, kind of making the situation more real and, um, you know, and that's what legislators and people in general, they respond to. Like, if this is happening, I am definitely going to react because I do not want this bad thing to happen to you because, you know, so that's... I think that's the, the real importance is to make sure that those stories are, are, are developed and sent to legislators in a um, 
you know, in almost all conversations you have, whatever issue it is, you need to have the stories. Yeah, that's good. It's like the idea of, of adding the, the, the truth of the human element to it. I heard someone say one time, it said that you can walk past a general problem, but you can't walk past a person. So I love the fact that, that you bring the stories of the people, you know, it's like, okay, now the policymakers have to say, okay, wait a second, these are real people. These are obviously real people. These are people who are, you know, a, a face essentially, you know, or story with a situation. So I think that's excellent. Right. You guys are, are, are doing that. Yeah. Uh, so, so if people want to be involved in, in what you all are doing, where do they go? What, what can they do? Yeah, so you mentioned our Age on Rage on campaign. So we have a whole website set up. It's ageonrageon.com. And if you wanted to sign, you can take the pledge. It's not pledging any money. It's just pledging to be an active advocate. Um, so you could sign up there, and we will give you email updates on what we're up to. We'll give you uh, opportunities to respond to calls to action. We just did one on the uh, state budget cuts to uh, the, some senior programs that were proposed here in California. Um, so we'll, we'll make sure we use your email sparingly, but also we'll use it on very important issues that you might care about and want to get engaged in. Excellent. Eric Dowdy of Leading Age California, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. If you are looking for more great interviews like this one, or tools to build your organization's online community, be sure to visit our website, Sinji.com. We'd love to connect with you. And thank you again for joining us on this episode of Sinji Talks.